Best Book Bits podcast brings you Vicky Griffith, professional speaker, sales and business consultant, weight loss expert, and author of the book, You Can Be Right About Everything and Still Have Nothing. Vicky, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. No worries. Now, tell us about your story about how you started on a health journey to become a sort of weight loss expert and, uh, yeah, how it all started from back in the day. Well, it started the day I was born. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but literally, it did. I was always fat. I was a chubby little toddler and I was a fat little girl. Here in the States, when I was younger, to buy jeans, I had to buy boys huskies because that's what fit me. And so I struggled with the self-image of weight my whole life basically and that led me to become an observer of human behavior so even as a child i would stand in the playground and go why is susie playing with jimmy and how come jimmy's reacting that way and why are they saying such mean things to me and so i was always in that observational mode of what's going on with this person why are they looking like that or why do they feel like that or why are they acting out like that? So that was always, that's where the curiosity came from, was childhood and being in that outcast, misfit position when I was a child, that I never really felt I belonged. So I was always curious about what was going on for people that would make them act the way they do and react the way they do. The weight loss journey started, like I said, always dieting, always trying to figure out what's the next, next best secret or weight loss, what I realized there wasn't one. And most people are still looking, but there isn't one. You can read everything about the latest, greatest diet, and it will work for a while, but for emotional eaters like myself, it won't. It won't last because the drive is the emotional fulfillment or numbing of something rather than the nourishment of our bodies. And that's what I decided to do. I finally gave up dieting. And that's when I released 70 pounds. When was this? How long ago was this? Oh my gosh, over 20 years ago. Yeah, and one of your stories is, yeah, you, you the day you stopped dieting was the day you actually got the health right through there as well. When did you start the journey of teaching other people and becoming a weight loss expert? And yeah, getting into that as well, which came first? Was it the sales and business consulting or the weight loss thing? And how did your story unfold from after when you started teaching people? When was well, it was fascinating. And you might want, some people call them God winks. Some people will call them nudges. For about six months ago, I started getting this acknowledgement that I was helping my weight loss clients with their business and it occurred to me that I have been in business for quite a long time and I knew what I was doing and so that's why they were asking me for advice and therefore as I watched my clients unfold with their weight release I also noticed the same belief system was keeping them struggling in their business so it didn't matter if someone was saying, there isn't enough food for me on this diet, or there isn't enough business for me in my business. It came from the same limiting belief, there's not enough, and they felt they weren't enough. So once we started working on those belief systems, sure enough, clients started coming in, the weight started being released. 
So that's how they came, that's how they were married together and that's how they came separately is this awareness within myself that I was already helping clients with their business. And part of the struggle for most entrepreneurs, especially in small business owners, is sales. And sales is all about yourself. It's not about convincing someone else. It's not about persuading. It's not about taking care of their objections. It's about what do you believe about money, sales, and helping someone through sales that is keeping you from staying in the conversation long enough to help them and really coach them through a decision whether it's yes or no and feel comfortable and confident that you've done everything you could to help that person make the right decision for them. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I've never had someone put that together. So the mental side of weight loss also translates to the mental side of sales, money, business, even relationships. I guess what you're really saying is people spend so much time researching, looking outward about what's the latest tip, hack, and I'm part of the yo-yo craze as well. I'm not on a diet at the moment. I was on keto recently. I'm up and down with my weight, but really until speaking to experts like yourself that it's a journey and it's not a it's not a program that's not a definite time and until you go internally and actually look yourself in the mirror and realize that you do have these subconscious unconscious programs and beliefs and all the things all the emotional stuff that's around food and even sales as well it's all interconnected so yeah really interesting we'll deep dive into that in a moment as well talk to me a little bit about you're a certified hypno hypnotist or is it hypnosis and emotional freedom technique what is emotional freedom technique and how can we use that appreciate the question thank you yes i'm a hypnotherapist i always learned and it was intuitive, it wasn't anything that I was through the observation that I had as a child that our thoughts and beliefs were really what was driving us into our behaviors and actions. So if we want to change a habit, then you need to change what you think about that habit. So somewhere along the line, I've learned about that and I studied about that through some of the greats, Louise Hayes, Wayne Dyer, and a lot of the law of attraction experts talk about what you think about you get and through science i'm fascinated by how our brains and our neuroscience work that all came about and then i started learning about energy and energy in our body and these energy pathways in our body and emotional freedom technique is also called eft which also stands for electronic funds transfer which i'm pretty i'm okay with those i like those but in the last probably 15 years a couple of a brother and sister some siblings took emotional freedom technique and they started marketing it as tapping. So a lot of people know it as tapping. And what it is basically using your fingers to tap on meridian endpoints, acupuncture points, if you like to call them that, to release whatever's going on for you. And it's a really fun technique that is fabulously fast. And that's what I'm trying to do is give my clients and myself relief quickly. We want to get over this now. We don't want to have to wail about it or feel badly about it or cry about it for long periods of time. Those are all wonderful things to do, but I've got other things in my life going on. And so focusing and knowing that if whatever I focus in, I get more of. So I want to learn how to release issues quickly 
from crushing cravings. So I can teach someone how to crush their food cravings in 30 seconds. And most people think that with a craving, they just have to wait it out while they're miserably looking through the window at the donut shop or the pastry shop because that's what we've been taught we needed to do. Or they need to try to avoid it, but they won't stop thinking about it. And this actually takes away the thought and the feeling. So I'm a left brain person. I'm very analytical. I look at things in a scientific way. And hypnosis, I could filter into that by qualifying some of the things I'd seen in science. EFT was so bizarre to me that the first time I got it was on a cassette tape. If you know what that is, do you know what that is? <laughs> Good. So it was on a cassette tape and I put it in my little Sony Walkman and I started listening to it. I'm like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And I put it away. But as I said, I struggled with weight and food for my entire life and I was having one of those moments that all I could think about was a chocolate chip cookie in my closet in the food pantry and I kept trying to avoid it and I kept trying to annoy and be avoid of it and I kept trying to walk away from it but I wouldn't stop thinking about it so I took that cassette down out of the closet and I listened to it and I did the technique she was training which was EFT her emotional freedom techniques and 30 minutes later, I was out in my neighborhood walking, which I hadn't planned, I hadn't scheduled. It wasn't like I had to go for a walk at such and such a time in the afternoon. I just was out there and I stopped dead in my tracks because I realized at that moment, I felt emotionally free from food for the first time ever. And in the past, if I felt emotionally free from a food for even a few microseconds, the thought of the food would bring the craving back, and that did not happen. So I really, truly was free. And that's when I went back and I learned from the founder everything that I could, became as advanced as I could in the technique. It's, it really is quick, and it can help people overcome traumas, phobias, actually pretty, pretty quickly. Cravings, as I said, whether it's cigarettes or food, and it can help with trauma from the past in a very safe way that people are usually astounded that it can move away from them that quickly when they've suffered from it, thought about it, worried over it for years and maybe even decades, whatever may have happened in their life. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you for sharing. Isn't it interesting that over time, we know that if you do a workout, it changes your physiology. Anyone that hears a new technique or of something, first it's ridicule, then it's laughter, then it's like evidently accepted, like breath work now. Everyone's all about breath work because breath work changes your physiology and your state. People talk about ice baths, people talk about this and that, but when someone hears about oh, what's EFT or what's tapping, sounds a bit cuckoo, and then realize that it actually probably works. You said you can crush cravings in 30 seconds. I'm sure my audience or people listening to this are going, 30 seconds, go, teach us. Is it, can you teach us in 30 seconds tapping? What do we do? How do we crush cravings in, in 30 seconds? I'm not an emotional eater, but I do enjoy eating, and I eat for pleasure, so part of my uh, thing with food i remember i'll tell you a personal story i my food problem started when i think i was 17 
I used to work at KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and we used to do late shift. And when we finished, they gave us like 10 minutes to eat as much as possible. Now, think about this. A 17-year-old kid growing fast food, you got 10 minutes to literally stuff your face. And that was like 10 o'clock at night. So you could imagine for 10 minutes with other peers of your age, just stuffing your mouth with food. And this went on for like maybe a year or two. Maybe I started when I was 16, 17. And I think I put on 30 kilos, but that actually, I changed some wiring of, I wasn't eating for sustenance. I was just eating for the pleasure of food. And that stuck around. I'm still, I still have those issues that I just eat for pleasure, not for hunger as well. Anyway, that's just a random story, but how do we crush our cravings in 30 seconds by tapping? What would you suggest? What's it? There also could have been, not for sure, but could have been some time of mentality that it's free and I should eat as much as I can because it's free. You know, every, yeah, we all want to take advantage of things that are free to us. And I see that a lot in how we determine our mindset when we go to those fast food restaurants. Oh look, all I really want is a cheeseburger, but look for a dollar or two more, I can get the fries and the soda with it. And they used to have a coupon, so back in there was like two, two twisters for $4, so it was like buy one, get one free, and I used to live off that. But anyway, it's just, I know that's when my food issues started through there and yeah i would never recommend my kids to to work at a fast food place just because the bad emotional attachments of food through there but yeah 30 seconds to crush your cravings what does someone do to change their state there is a protocol for it and you can actually go to crushcravings.com and sign up to see videos of me showing you how to do this in 30 seconds or less. It takes a little bit longer than that to learn. I'd be glad to share it with you all, but you can also go there and that way you'll have them to in, in your, available to you so that you can go back and look at them. So I know what you're, I get what you're saying is I enjoy food as well. And there's often times when I am feeling full and satisfied and I still want more, even though I know logically I don't need more. And so you can use this technique for that too, to help with that craving as well. But what you do is you tap, as it's called now, with your fingertips. I'm right hand dominant, I use my right hand. You're gonna use at least two fingers on either hand, it doesn't quite matter. It's called emotional acupuncture without the needles. So we're gonna be using meridian endpoints so if you're familiar with acupuncture or acupressure, you might be aware of some of these. What these do is they eliminate emotions. So each one is attached to different emotions. It also is a connection to an organ in your body. And that's all information you can find on Google. I also have that as well. So if somebody wants to reach out to me, I'll be glad to give them the information I have as well. You always start on what's called the karate chop, which is the between your pinky and your wrist bone on your opposite hand, and you just tap lightly. Now know that these points are about the size of the end of a pen, and like a sewing needle rather than a writing pen, right? So they're very tiny, so two fingers should get it. And then you repeat after me, you're willing to play? Yeah. So you would have a food in mind this is bothersome for you. It could be a piece of candy, it could be bread. You could have it in front of you, you don't have to and you would rate zero to 10 what the level of intensity is. 10 is it's really strong. Some people for chocolate will say it's 25. 
And zero is I don't have a craving for this or a feeling for it right now. So just have a food in mind and then go ahead and in your mind, just assign a number. You don't even have to tell me. And then say along with me, even though I. And though I. Have this craving for. I have this craving for. And if you don't mind sharing, go ahead and fill in the blank. It's a Vietnamese roll. All right. I deeply and completely. I deeply and completely. Love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. Even though I have this craving for a Vietnamese. Even though I have this craving. For a Vietnamese roll. For a Vietnamese roll. It's called a bar me. I deeply and completely. I deeply and completely. Love and accept myself. Love and myself. I do that one more time. Even though I have this. Even though I have this craving. And it feels insatiable. And it feels insatiable. I deeply and completely. I deeply and completely. Appreciate my mind and body. Appreciate my mind and body. And you go to the top of your head and say this craving for your Vietnamese roll. Craving for a Vietnamese roll. See, that's silly. I'm glad you're laughing. And this eyebrow, beginning your eyebrow, bridge your nose. I have this craving for a Vietnamese roll. I have this craving for a Vietnamese roll. Now that I'm thinking about it, I can't stop thinking about it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I can't stop thinking about it. And underneath your eye. I can't believe she's making me do this. I can't believe she's making me do this, but I asked for it. Under your nose. <laughs> Under your nose, right above your lips. Said so this craving for this role. Craving for this role. Underneath your lips. Usually I can't stop thinking about it. Usually I can't stop thinking about it. The next place is either collarbone. Doesn't matter which side. I always cross my body and it's right in the little dip here. The collarbone. I have experienced this craving. I've experienced this craving. For a Vietnamese roll. For a Vietnamese roll. And I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't have the craving anymore. Exactly. See, and you haven't even finished yet. The other one is underneath your arm, which is the silliest one. And just say, It's craving. Take a deep breath. <sighs> so if I was doing that technique with you without teaching you, it would probably have been 20 seconds that you would have given that up. Straight away. Interesting. Well, so for my listeners out there, if you are craving something, definitely check out the tapping video on Vicky's website as well. But yeah, we didn't get you on the show to talk about the tapping. We got you on the show to talk about your book. So can you tell me a little bit about your book? I know you've got two books out there. The book is called You Can Be Right About Everything and Still Have Nothing. When did it come out and what motivated you to, uh, to write the book? It came out November of 2020. So right during the pandemic i seem to have an awful lot of time <laughs> to write my book and so 2019-2020 that's when it all came together but how it came about was i was sitting in a parked car with a friend of mine and we were about ready to go we were going shopping that day so we we're about ready to go to our next shopping adventure and getting out of the car and she just blurted out very loudly he did it again and it took me back because we weren't even talking about anything about relationships or husbands or any of that kind of thing and said i, I don't understand what you're saying but he did it again he did what he came out of the laundry room and i went in to go wash some clothes and the washing machine was on cold and when i confronted him about that he said he didn't do it i didn't do it there's only two of us that lives here so he had to have done it. He just cannot, he cannot admit when he's wrong. 
And she was really worked up at this point, and she was like over the top worked up. And no matter what I said, she wasn't in the place where she wanted to calm down. We finished our shopping experience, I took her home, and about an hour later I got a call, and she said, Vicki, I'm on my way to the hospital with a heart attack. I'm like, alright, I'll meet you there. So as I'm watching, again, the observer, as I was a child, I'm watching all of the nurses and the doctors scattered all around her, and I hear that they're going to admit her in the hospital for the evening, and she was going to meet with cardiologists the next day. I got her settled into her room, went home, came back the next morning, and she goes, there's nothing wrong with my heart. Oh, okay. She goes, there's a send me home this morning. Great. That's fabulous news. But it, it dawned on me that how committed she was to prove that she, he was wrong and that she was right, she was willing to die for that belief. And then I wondered, what am I willing to die for? What belief system am I willing to, buy, to die for that I play with every single day? And it causes struggle, and it causes me to stay stuck. And maybe I need to look at those belief systems about proving those misguided beliefs are right. And that's how it all started. Yeah, well, yeah, the subtitle's called How to Give Up the Need to Be Right and get what you want yeah really interesting thank you for sharing that story isn't it isn't that fascinating that the idea of a book or the idea of something can spark from just a real life experience of witnessing something and then realizing hey what's this about you talk about in the book chapter one no, nothing else matters and one of the things you talk about is you need to be right and you write everything that is sabotaging your efforts to achieve more success stems from your need to be right you believe that you can't get to the next level and you're looking for something to prove that you are right you want to prove to yourself and everyone else that your failure to get to the next level is not your fault why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we have these sort of, why are we looking for what they call um, subconscious biases or that we're looking for events to prove that our circumstances are correct and giving ourselves like a doorway out, like a back door, be like, oh, okay, I failed because of this and we're always looking for excuses. Why is this, why does this need to be for? Can you expand on that a little bit? It stems from many different things, but what I've come through my practice, I've noticed that there's four, I call them self-sabotage archetypes. And all of these or any of these can come through several experiences that we had. They always come up before the age of 10, we've come up with these conclusions about ourselves and it's based on what someone might actually even say to you. So unfortunately, many of my clients, their parents said to them, you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything, what's wrong with you, why are you even trying that, those type of things. That, it's imprinted in your subconscious mind and you create belief systems around that and you keep proving those right, even if you did not enjoy your parents at all, or it could have been an authority figure in your life, you could have just been observing. So a lot of times we will be in a situation where adults are talking about some subject. And let me give you an example. So being a young child sitting on the floor playing with blocks or I had a little barn set that I had. We had little horses and cows and stuff. So I'd be sitting on the floor playing. My aunts and my grandmother and my mom are sitting in the other room talking about how horrible 
menopause symptoms are, and then guess what happens when menopause comes around? You start experiencing those symptoms and you're thinking, how did that program get in there? It was from that conversation you overheard. So a lot of times I'll hear people say, I can't get another job because I'm, where did that come from? I see people working well into their 70s, 80s, and 90s being very successful, but yet you don't think you can get another job at 50 and you need to stay at the one you're at and be miserable. It often comes from something that was said or observed as a child. So those imprinted limiting beliefs, we decide to take on and keep proving those are right, whether it's conscious or unconscious. How do we how do we go back and find these out? It's interesting that I had a conversation a while ago with a top celebrity personal development guy. Everyone knows his name if I said his name, and he's talked about childhood traumas. And I was like, look, I don't really want to get into that, and people don't really want to talk about that. But at the end of the day, we do have a lot of repressed subconscious limiting beliefs and a lot of things in our childhood that really made us into the adults that we are today and stuffed us up for good or worse as well. You're either driving to something or you're either driving from something. And a lot of this stems from our childhood and early years and upbringing. But how do we bring something that's subconscious that we don't even know about to the surface? What do we do with that? Do we try to seek help? How do we uncover these? Do we get a coach, a consultant? Do we do, who do we seek out? Like where does someone start from trying to uncover some of these limiting beliefs subconsciously that they have? Great question and all of the above. So coaches, therapists, doctors, all of that for sure. I'd also say, don't be so hard on yourself about, well, I've got to figure this out. You're getting clues every single day that something from your past created this habit that you have that you don't like, whatever it might be. Maybe it's sabotaging yourself so you don't go to the gym. So every morning you make, or every night you make the decision you're gonna get up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym, and every morning at 5 a.m. when the alarm goes off, you shut it in to snooze for three or four times, so you don't have enough time to go to the gym before you go to work. So that's a clue that somewhere along the line, someone said something to you or something happened, and you interpreted it in a way that made you feel perhaps that it wasn't worth it, no matter how hard you try, it's not gonna work for you, all of those type of things. So it's really hard to say what the belief system would be, but that's how you start. As you look at your everyday life, where are you stalling for your better good, whether it's your health, whether it's a relationship, whether it is in money or finance, your career, your job, you're gonna have clues. Are you telling yourself, just like I mentioned with that 50 year old, that he said he couldn't get another job at 50? Through some work that we did together, guess what? Now a VP, and he's over 50. That wasn't true. It wasn't ever true, but in his mind it was for many years. Yeah, yeah, thanks for sharing. And in the book you talk about, we have this runaway thought train and we never take the time to stop, think, rewind the track, rewind the tape a little bit and look at, get ourselves into this funk of, of negative thoughts. And I was sharing this story the other day, I got myself into a bit of a, a bit of a down moment where 
I had to stop and reflect and think, hang on a second, I know the answer to this. And I looked back to a Tony Robbins quote, and it was basically ask yourself, quality questions create a quality life. Successful people ask better questions, and as a result, they get better answers. And I thought, ask myself a better question. And I looked back and I was like, hang on a second, you're living the life, you're living your dreams that you had years ago. You're basically full-time at home with the kid. You're living a great life. And I just had to ask myself a better question to get myself out for funk. And I guess sometimes we have these runaway thought trains that continue to go but until you apply the brakes and then say hang on a second a lot of people struggle with these consistent repetitive thoughts every day and 95 percent probably habitually negative what's some suggestions to stop the runaway thought train and get them back on the right track as well the example that you just gave was beautiful and that's why tony robbins does what he does right so he can help people overcome their belief systems and that's exactly what you do is you just say stop wait a minute this isn't how I want to think and often when I'm when I have that and I say stop or I say cancel clear delete trying to use that clear button like on your computer then I can start asking the better questions or just decide at that very moment, I don't like how this, the path this takes me down. So I'm going to stop right here because I don't want the outcome to be what it normally is. And therefore, I'm, I just make a decision. I'm not doing that. And I choose a different thought. Cancel, clear, delete. Very powerful because I use it actually quite often because you're right. 95% of our thoughts are negative and that's been proven by science. I don't know who the person was with the clicker that was counting, but <laughs> that's what they say through every study over and over again. And the repetitive thoughts too, which is really fascinating to me that our brain keeps repeating those negative thoughts. So what are you going to get? The negative outcome. So if we could just calm 10% of them, imagine how much better our lives would be and how happier we'd be, even just 10%. And I know that we could do more. To move through that. When I first started not dieting, so I was done with dieting forever, I went on a mental diet. And a mental diet was to say no to those negative thoughts. That's all I had to do, was just say no. And the first day, it was exhausting. It was absolutely, I felt like every second of every waking moment, a negative thought would come up, a criticizing thought would come up, and I would have to say no. And then the second day, it wasn't as much. By the end of the week, there were bigger gaps in between the criticism and saying no. And so those bigger gaps, I could rest in those for a little while. And that's where I could find my emotional freedom too, is I could rest in those gaps and they became longer and longer. Soon it became several days without a negative criticizing thought or judging thought about myself. And they still creep up, and I still do the same thing. Either just decide no, cancel, clear, delete, go look for another thought. So what do I want to think about this? Well, I want to be happy. Isn't that the bottom line, that we all want to just be happy? So money's, in, of course, incorporated in it. And relationships, of course, are incorporated in it. But the bottom line is we want to be happy. So we do that. We're in charge of that. No one else is. Just like the person I was telling you about the story, she's in charge of her happiness. And because the washing machine was on cold, 
she actually sabotaged her health. That's pretty deep. <laughs> that's, yeah, we all do that. Yeah, that's crazy. I like what you said about I like what you said about a mental diet. So a lot of people are doing the physical diet, not knowing that if you actually do a mental diet, you'd probably get the results that you're after physically because everything starts internally as well. I like how you said about it created these gaps and then he gave you space to actually say, you know what? It's like cleaning your room, like decluttering your house. You declutter to a point where there's nothing left in the room or it's very clean. Then you get to decide what you want to put in it. So first to make space to clear yourself out first of negative unconscious repetitive thought patterns or whatever it is and then you consciously put in positive thoughts or you'd start tuning your attention or your antenna to the things you want in your life instead of the things that you don't want which creates negative outcomes you start forcing positive outcomes by forcing positive thoughts into your mind to set switch you talk about in the book who's in charge of your brain you are you also say you've got a powerful mind and you believe stories that are not true and you find facts to support them what if you tuned your powerful mind to benefit you rather than trying to keep proving the false beliefs are right so if you tuned your powerful mind to benefit you rather than trying to keep your false beliefs, can you expand on that a little bit it's it's isn't it fascinating the faulty beliefs that we're clinging to yeah it is. Uh, we do collect evidence. We have solid reasons for all of that. We collect evidence. What's really fascinating too, when I was doing this book and doing some research, they did a study that shows that the brain actually is in on all of this without us being a participant. So 80% of the stories that we are living our lives by are made up. And that's what's fascinating to me. So something happened to you and at six years old. So one of the examples I like to use, because this happened to me, I was probably a little older, maybe about eight. There was four of us. We were running through a meadow or a pasture out in some farmland, and it was a two track. So this is where they drove the tractors back and forth to the farms. And we were running and all of a sudden this huge, for us is probably 25 feet long, but it was probably four feet long, black snake went across the path. Now where I'm from, black snakes are considered like gardener snakes. They're friendly snakes. They basically want them around because they help take care of the past. But for one of us, she became absolutely insanely scared. Now, you couldn't see the snake after a few seconds, right? It just crossed the path and went into the tall grass and was still scared the rest of her life. For one of us, it was like, eh, I see him all the time, no big deal. For the other two, it was disturbing, but it was something we got over. Now, the kid that, when she was insanely scared, her brain made up a story that it was 25 foot long and it was chasing after us. None of that happened. And so that's what we do with our everyday occurrences from a child is our brain makes up this story that's not true. And so investigating your stories, and again, like you said, it goes with your first your thoughts, then you can investigate, well, what's my belief system about that? And then where did this come from? And going back to where you may have heard it, experienced it, and looking at the story you made up about it, because it may not be true. 
And this is also, if you look at investigations, the detectives will ask the same five questions to five different people about the experience they just had and get five different scenarios. Isn't that interesting? It's the trauma tattoos on the brain. And for another person, it just pencils in the memory and then just gets erased with short-term memory. But same experience, one tattoos trauma and the other one just pencils in a memory and one person goes off and the memory fades and the other one goes through life with the trauma of the same event. And it's the brain associating a meaning. It's very interesting once you get into the science and nitty-gritty of it as well. One of the things you talk about in the book, Moving On, is we blame events and people for why we're stuck as well. And one of the exercises you say is write down two people or events that you did not realize you're blamed for being fat, broke, or unloved as well. Why do we associate people and events on circumstances that from the past? How do we move on after we after we realize that we're blaming someone else from it, what's the technique or what do we do from there? Most people will say forgiveness is the answer, but unfortunately a definition of forgiveness is not appropriate for what you really need to forgive. So we're never asking you to forgive the person that hurt you, if that happened. I do see a lot of women that have some kind of abuse in their background. And so we're not forgiving the person that hurt you. We're not letting them off the hook, none of those type of things. The best definition that I've heard for forgiveness is giving up the hope that it never happened, giving up the hope that you would have acted differently, giving up the hope that you know you could be different is what really needs to happen to sh and stop blaming people for your life. Because as we talked about several times throughout this, you are the one in charge of your life. You're the one in charge of your thoughts and your brain. So you can choose something different than letting someone else have power over you for your entire life that creates a struggle within you. Yeah, I've got a saying that's saying 50% of the result comes from making a decision. So if you want to go or something, so making a decision is you're halfway there. And I think the opposite is true as well. 50% of moving forward is accepting of the past can't be changed. It, it's done, it's gone, it's finished. The race has been run these are the results, but that's the acceptance of the past. Now, your decision is to move on from that as well. So acceptance and decision. I like in the book, you talk a chapter about what if, and we always what if about negative outcomes. So what if this happens? What if that happens? If I do this, that's going to happen. But you talk about flipping the script and talking about using uh, what ifs as positive outcomes. So if you really want as if it's already happened, can you talk to me about the power of just flipping that script of even in sales? Oh, what if they don't answer? But what if you close the sale? What is if you, what is if you, what happens if you do hit your goal? What if you do lose weight? What happens if you do make money? What is if that girl that you ask out says yes? Like how do, how easy it for us to just switch the script of what is to positive outcomes? How easy is it? Sometimes it's not very easy if you're really attached to the what if of the negative outcome. And again, that comes from programming, that comes from experience and making up the stories and having solid reasons to back it all up to validate that's the truth. But there's that piece, you've got to give up that. you got to be willing to give up that. To look at the possibility of what if, as you said, what if you did make the sale? There's a lot of statistics and statistics through my observation, can be made up to the results, whoever is giving the statistic that they want. 
But statistics, they, we have to be very careful about where they come from, where those results findings came from. So we're not using that as a fact to stay in the place that we're at. So what if in a positive outlook? So if you're too attached to the negative, then you need to look at that and get some support to get through that. But it, the opposite of that is true. Just what is the positive aspect of that? Now, visualizing is extremely powerful. A lot of science behind it shows that it's very extreme because now you're engaging your mind and your brain. And how to make it even more powerful, even if you don't believe it, is to engage your senses. So what would it feel like emotionally if that what if happened? What would it feel like tactically? So what does it feel like to drive that Lamborghini, if that's your dream? Or to hold that person you love? or to caress your child's face when they're sleeping. What does that feel like? So that tactile as well as emotional, but what, is it, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you taste? And involving all of your senses in that picture in your mind, the mind doesn't understand what's real and what's not. So if you played with that scenario of what if, I think you might be surprised at what happens. Will it happen overnight? Could might happen three hours from then, it might happen three days, three months, three years, 30 years, I, I don't know for sure, but what I do know is that when your brain is on board with the what if that's positive, it solves problems and it's gonna work for you to get what you're looking for. Yeah, thanks for sharing. It's such a mental game of life. No one really, everyone focuses on the external, but not re realize that it's a game of chess. It's a mental game that you're playing with yourself and we go through our days and we never stop and think about what was I proud of today? What did I do different? You know, what I'm looking forward to tomorrow. You think about the three buckets of relationships, health and finances. They're all internal. They're all internal games that manifest externally. You look at a wealthy person, you sit down with them and interview them and ask them about their internal belief system thoughts, habits, lifestyles, and outcome, they're going to be completely different than a poor person. You ask a super fit person, same thing, habit, lifestyle, beliefs, and you look at someone that's fat, overweight, unhealthy, they're going to be completely different as well. Someone that has a great marriage, great husband, great father, or vice versa, great mother or great friend, they're going to have completely different things than someone who's alone, no kids or unmarried such an internal game that we never stop and think about okay what game are we playing with ourselves and what programs have we programmed ourselves with as well i find this all very fascinating as well but look we can go on your book's amazing and you do run go through some other stuff as well apart from the goal setting intentions and planning other things like that as well where can people find more about yourself where do you spend your time on socials and where can they find the book as well vicky Sure. So my website is vickygriffith.com and from there you could get my book. You can get in touch with me. You can see some of the things I do around weight release as well. So that's all there. I'm on LinkedIn under Vicki Griffith. Breakthrough is my business page for both Facebook and LinkedIn. So you can find me. You can find me on YouTube, Weight Loss with Vicki Griffith. So I'm easy to, <laughs> to follow up with. <laughs>
I'll check it out. I didn't know you had the YouTube channel. I'll check that out through there as well. Yeah, to my audience out there, Vicky, check out her stuff. She's got some really great stuff as well. Thank you for teaching me the tapping technique as well. I definitely use that today when I go past my Vietnamese bakery and want to get a bar me. But uh, yeah, it's really thank you for being on the show. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, take care. Okay. I appreciate it.